You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is the Zadie and Kooky Jonathan Strickland. Hello, Ariel. Way to way to support my way to yes and Jonathan. I mean, like that's I, I I'm subverting expectations. I'm like a I'm like a Rian Johnson over here. I'm I'm subverting all over the place. Um, <clears throat> wow! And then I get hit with a frog in my throat. That was my fault. Hey, Ariel. Yes. I've got a question for you. Okay, and this is a question. About you, Ariel, which is, ah, <laughs> if you can think about like, what is the longest amount of time you've consistently stayed in character for something? Uh, I mean, LARPing is like a full weekend. Yeah. So you don't break character at that. You're just in character the whole time. So in your cabins generally, you know, people might break character late at night or early in the morning or whatever. Occasionally people will break character to do a, a to do like a, a an out of play question or, you know, when you go to NPC, because most of the LARPs I go to, they require you to put in a certain amount of volunteer time each game, either before, or after, or during. So a lot of people 
will go out and play the monsters that everybody else is fighting for an hour or two each game. Um, so you kind of break character, but you're still in another character. So I guess every once in a while, there'll be a game where they're like, oh, you don't have to volunteer during the game. We have so many NPCs, at which point, yeah, I'll stay in character pretty much all weekend unless I have to break out. Groovy. You know, maybe I don't shower in character, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, you know, you're playing a barbarian. I suspect that's just you. You're just having an angry shower. I mean, it's I, I do go in character and I get dressed in the shower so no one sees me naked. So I get out of the shower in character. I guess I'm always in character because I'm quite the character. Uh-huh. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I think I think it would have to be the the Renaissance Festival, right? Like, um, mm-hmm. which you know, obviously we would take breaks during the day, so it's not yeah. like I would say I had a whole day of being in character. But you're talking about sometimes, you know, you might do a stretch of four to six hours without mm-hmm. really taking a break, and then you're just in character that entire time, um, which is very different. Like Ariel and I also come from backgrounds of of doing acting, including like stage acting. And we both get into character in similar ways. You're not method, right? So not in the traditional sense. No, no. I would not consider myself a method actor. But I think uh, every actor takes some... And, and and I've heard a whole bunch of stuff recently about how Stanislavski, the, the creator of the method... Mm-hmm. Um, is actually often misquoted and and his his technique is misused. I'm taking technique classes, if you can't tell. Um, but, you know, I do feel like every actor needs to put a part of themselves or their real experiences into a situation. Right now I'm taking an Uta Hagen class, which is all about, like, building your environment to evoke emotion and reaction. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. But, I mean, so, yeah, so every actor should have – glimpses of who they are, which I guess is why Renfest is so easy. Cause like, even though I'm not Vogel mode, you're not the Admiral. Like there are definitely bits of us in there. Yeah. So it's not too far of a stray from reality for us to sustain. Well, and also those characters are by their nature cartoonish, which means that we can take a couple mm-hmm. of characteristics and then just dial that up to 11 without having to worry about making a fully fleshed out, character because that's not the point, right? We're not trying to make someone who has all their hopes and fears and, and motivations and everything for people to discover. I mean, that's true. You, you should do that with a lot of the characters you're playing. If you want people to believe them, of course at fair, it's more about, you know, gag, get in, get out with how much time we interact with individuals. But I do feel like over the years, the Admiral is pretty fleshed out. I bet if I asked you a bazillion questions about his life, you could answer yeah. them to some degree or yeah, another. I mean, you know, just like me, the Admiral is very good at flights of fancy. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting, <laughs> though, because like, you know, we, we've we I think a lot of people in the geek sphere have at least dabbled in elements of getting into character, whether it's in productions or uh, role playing games or cosplaying. Like, I think that's a big part of the mm-hmm. geek sphere. It's this idea of, I mean, a lot of the, the stuff that geeks love are things of, of fantastical worlds. And there's sort of this, you know, natural desire to be in them. And uh, now we're going to get into some fantastical worlds by covering a couple of news items. Yes. And the first is, uh, many of you probably have heard, I'm not sure if we've actually talked about it on the show, that we're getting a... Adam's Family spinoff on Netflix called Wednesday about Wednesday Adam. 
Um, but they've announced who Morticia and Gomez Adams will be, and it's Catherine Zeta-Jones and Louis Guzman, which I think is absolutely perfect casting. I think it's really interesting. I'm very curious to see how that plays out because I, I wouldn't have, they wouldn't have jumped to my mind immediately, but I can't, I mean, I'm also kind of excited to see it, which is weird because this is a project that Tim Burton is attached to. He's an executive producer and he's going to be directing at least mm-hmm. some of the episodes. Um, I do not think he wrote it, but Burton's been real more miss than hit for me over the past several years. Mm-hmm. And so I was not like super jazzed about the announcement for a while. Just thinking like that, you know, at best we might get something that's not terribly offensive. And at worst, we'll just get another sort of Adams train wreck because out of all the Adams mm-hmm. family stuff that's been created, there's like maybe half of it is, is uh, watchable to great. And then the other half is for- forgettable to terrible. So uh, I was ready to write it off, but I, I think that might have been premature on my part. Yeah. So the, like the premise of the story doesn't super appeal to me. Wednesday is using her psychic ability to thwart a monster killing spree. So it feels kind of super natural-ish. Yeah, like, I, I was thinking like it's Wednesday Adams as Buffy Summers. Yeah. So like it doesn't feel like the plot is very, I mean, it might be original for Adams Family. It doesn't feel very original in the overall geekosphere to me. I think what really appeals to me, one, I think Catherine Zeta-Jones is a very versatile actress. Mm-hmm. And I think she'll she'll hit the comedy versus creepy versus, you know, elegant very well, which is the three adjectives I would use to describe Morticia Adams. Louis Guzman is not who I would think that they would have picked for a leading man. Now that they've mentioned it, like, I feel like he's perfect. Like, he's he's good. In it. I know he will nail it. He's a great actor. But like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just super excited for the casting. You know, the cast can make or break a yeah. show. And oh, I, I'm, I'm very, phenomenal. I'm very eager to see how Guzman does the role. Uh, and you know, obviously, like Raúl Julia did such an amazing job as Gomez when, that when is he true. was cast. Yes. Um, and I mean, obviously, it's very hard to get around comparing anyone against that. But I, I'm very eager to see what. Guzman's take is on the character. Also, I mean, it'll be like, I'm hoping that in this show, we see that Gomez and Morticia's devotion to one another hasn't diminished a bit, despite the fact that this is like 20 years, you know, further into the timeline of your typical Adams family story. I feel like that's one bit of canon that I would not be able to get behind if it did diminish. Uh, What are your thoughts on the Adams family musical? Um, I have only heard a couple of songs from it. I've never seen it. I heard one. Was it? It's it's about being crazy, um, but it's it's Wednesday singing to her love interest in it, um, and and mm-hmm. I thought that the song was adorable. But I I honestly don't know enough about it to have an opinion. Uh, like, but again, like the song I thought was adorable, but it was also out of context, right? It was isolated. So mm-hmm. you could have told me that this was a song from any show and it wouldn't have made a difference to me because there wasn't enough identifiable information in the song to make me say, oh, Fair that's enough. from the Adams Family musical. I actually had to look it up because it was one of those that came on. I had like some, you know, web based radio station of Broadway stuff playing and it came on and I, I had no idea what it was. 
Yeah, no, I, I would have to agree there. Um, the songs are catchy, but they they don't necessarily, for the most part, don't don't stand out to me. I do think it's interesting that we're getting a bunch of like the Munsters and the Adams Family, and there's a whole lot of horror adjacent material coming out currently. Yeah, uh, everybody I know is already saying, "Hey, it's time for Halloween already." Um, but they're saying that in June. No, so, I was I was um, like I, I was joking about that, but I I part of it is that I'm craving cooler weather, and part of it is that. <laughs> That the silly spookiness of Halloween is far preferable to the nightmarish world we live in. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. So our next news item, moving right along, no good segue, uh, is about the Orville. And I just find this interesting because right as like literally five different friends of mine said, I wonder what's up with season three of Orville uh, we got news about season three of Orville. So yeah. we're going to chat. Yeah. About so it, Orville, the Orville is of course, uh, Seth MacFarlane's television series that is clearly inspired by Star Trek, the next generation. And is it? Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's impossible to, you know, I mean, he's said as much, right? Like it's like he, he has a love of yeah. Star Trek, but you may have noticed that, you know, more recent Star Trek work with some exceptions has been kind of that dark and action-oriented material, which is not what a lot of classic Trek was really about. You know, you had moments of action, but mm-hmm. they weren't, like, action-packed. It was more about, you know, figuring things out, exploration, diplomacy, that sort of stuff. Well, uh, the first two seasons were on Fox, and then there was an announcement that it was going to move over to Hulu for season three, and then this little thing called COVID happened and it totally messed up the production schedule. And that's why uh, it's been a very long, quiet period. But now we know that it's back in production. Yep. They've actually got some clips from different episodes of season three, uh, which means that it's it's more than just, yeah, we're gearing back up. You know, I'm excited for this. I feel like so when I talk about Farscape, I always it, and my friends talk about Farscape. We say how it, it tried to be a serious sci-fi and then eventually it found its niche uh, with a little bit of the zany and a little bit of the heart-wrenching. I feel like Orville is the opposite. It tried to be Family Guy at the very beginning and then it really like found this nice little like groove of quirky yet heartwarming. And and the further along we get, the like the more serious it gets. And I kind of like... I like yeah. that. Yeah. No, I so. agree. I, I was, I wrote off the Orville early on because I just figured it was going to be yet another Seth MacFarlane, you know, joke fest with like tons of references thrown in to substitute for actual jokes. Like I have a very low opinion of Seth MacFarlane, but uh, mm-hmm. I also feel like that is a, a show that just like Star Trek, the next generation. I mean, that show had at least a season and a half of some, ugly growing pains before it started getting good. Oh yeah. So like, I feel like, oh, I feel yes. like the Orville is starting to really come into its own. Also, we hear that there are uh, apparently talks for a potential fourth season with Hulu, even before the third one starts to air. So that's great news as well. It is. I know that Seth McFarlane was looking at doing some other projects, so it'll be interesting to see if, if he thinks he can balance them all, but I would definitely uh, like at this point would like more seasons of Orville after this third one. Well, we got a couple more quick stories to talk about. One is that we got a preview for season three of doom patrol and it is super trippy. 
It is, which is right on brand for Doom Patrol. Um, yeah, so season two ended earlier than they expected it to, and it ended on a real cliffhanger. Once again, kind of like the end of Farscape. Uh, <laughs> but uh, know, Farscape. most of our listeners have not watched it. It all comes back to Farscape. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm rewatching it, so it's on. It's on my mind right now. But it ended just like in this place where you're like, really, this is where it ends. And thankfully, this new trailer, like a little bit, says, okay, we're gonna we're gonna resolve this, but also in a way that's like, oh, you have no clue. Yeah. Um, no, it looks like I can't follow anything in this right, trailer. Right? Yeah, it's it's got tons of really trippy visuals and like it's all disconnected but i'll also say that i found it incredibly appealing like i just found doom patrol is again like there's certain things in dc that i think are are really hitting their stride and doom patrol is one of those things and uh, you know me i've been incredibly critical about dc's you know media Mm -hmm. outreach whether it's films or series or whatever But I feel Doom Patrol really is consistently interesting and entertaining and sometimes, well, often extremely twisted. Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. You have to you have to know that what you're getting into, I think, to enjoy it going in. But um, I've I've enjoyed it way more than I anticipated I would. Um, And I'm very much looking forward to it. If you like Doom Patrol, you should definitely check out the new trailer. The last thing we're going to talk about before we go into our break is that Idris Elba has signed on for the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. Yes. As, as, as Knuckles. Knuckles. Yeah, he posted, he tweeted out a picture uh, close up of uh, Knuckles's spiked glove with the, the message knock knock and hashtag Sonic movie 2 hashtag Knuckles, which uh, then got more than a quarter of a million likes. In fact, I think somewhere it's somewhere in like the 400,000 range at this point. Um, and, mm-hmm. and more than 7,000 comments, uh, because, uh, Sonic fans are crazy. Now I will say this, like Idris Elba, <laughs> Idris Elba is like a phenomenal actor and he's a great voice actor too. Yes. He's done voice acting for other projects. So I think that this is like, it's not the casting I would have imagined, but I'm not mad at it. I just mostly find it so absurd to see the reaction, right? Like just the 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 enormous yeah. reaction to the announcement. Yeah, me too. Especially after and and we're going to talk about this after after the break, after, you know, Suicide Squad where some people are saying that like Idris Elba is not a huge box office draw to me he is. He's just such a phenomenal actor and um very versatile. But because of that, sometimes I forget that he does voice acting Mm -hmm. and he has a goofy side. Uh, Like, I can barely remember he was in Cats. Uh, So we all have tried so hard to forget Cats. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, he's he's got a real um, sense of humor. It's just that like he's obviously he's known for playing sort of deadpan, serious and sometimes extremely intense mm -hmm. characters like that's that's like Mm -hmm. his resume. But the man himself has yeah. clearly got a real sense of humor. Like if you ever see him in interview shows and stuff, you really see see that yeah. come out. Yeah, he does a great rendition of Baby Got Back. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for that. That's the one I have not seen. Well, on that note, we are going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to discuss some Suicide Squad. Yes. Yes. 
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. Indulge your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay, Ariel, did you watch the new the, the Suicide Squad film? I did watch the Suicide Squad film. Uh... Uh, I double featured it with another movie that came out uh, just recently called The Paper Tigers. Interesting. So, I, I only um, saw The Suicide yeah. Squad. I watched it on uh, Friday and I thought I couldn't decide if I liked it or not. Um, I thought it was I thought it was a well-made movie. I thought it was an entertaining mm-hmm. movie in many places, but I couldn't figure out if I I, I definitely think it's miles better than the suicide squad film from 2016, like night and day better, but I don't know if I Mm -hmm. like it. 
So I think your review of it, because you told me when you watched it, um, and then I asked you some questions, prepared me, prepared my mindset going into it so that I thoroughly enjoyed That's great. it. I, ex- I expected all of the gore. I expected the bizarreness. So in both of those respects, it actually wasn't as bizarre or as gory as I anticipated. I mean, King, um, King Shark also does I, rip a person in half long ways, but yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is gore, but for some reason I expected a lot more. Um, I mean, it is gory. It is just gory. If you haven't watched it yet, it's gory. Uh, and it is bizarre. And, you know, I saw the review saying that there was some full frontal male nudity and there was less of that than I expected as well. So um, all in all, I think I was like, I was going in at 11 and I came out at a nine, but that's okay. I really enjoyed it. It Standard to DC EU movies. I felt like it was a little long. Yep. Mm-hmm. And and had a lot of a lot of story going mm-hmm. into it. That being said, I feel like James Gunn did it in a way that was very interesting and when the extra act at the end of the movie came on or or, or started, I was excited for it as opposed to thinking, "Oh my god, is this movie yeah, over?" Yeah. So there there are a lot of things that I think were done extremely well in the movie. Uh but yeah, one of the things that I, that kind of irritated me not irritated but just like i i question the reasoning for having that be part of the story is that you do kind of have your own little harley quinn featurette buried in the Mm -hmm. middle of this movie um did you watch the pitch meeting for it no is that what they talked about on youtube they among many other things there's a harley quinn movie uh, inside the suicide squad movie yes yeah, yeah. They said she needs her own movie. Well, she already got one. Well, she gets another little uh, mini one. Oh uh, so yeah, no, you're not alone no, in that I, thought. I, when I was watching, I was like, "This, like, it, it, it's good. It's entertaining. It's a good, but it feels almost like it could have been a separate thing that would exist as its own featurette that is related to the film, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you could have taken all of that out." Uh, you still would have had to figure out a way of getting Harley with the other characters because, you know, for those who don't know, the movie opens up with uh, a a a a surprise and characters are not necessarily with each other at the beginning and they have to meet up later. And I don't want to spoil anything yeah. because it is worth seeing. Also, like it's James Gunn going back to some horror elements, which, you know, I, he did slither, which is a phenomenal horror movie. And I feel like Mm. this has a lot of DNA in common with slither. Um, it's like, I I still don't know if I like it. It's definitely, I can definitely recognize the good parts of it. I mean, I enjoy, I thought it was very entertaining. Um, I really like, so one of the things that he did, and I don't think this is a spoiler, but, if you're worried that it is just fair warning is instead of trying to explain everything at the beginning, just every once in a while we get characters backstory. Um, And while I knew that that was a device that James Gunn was using in the movie to make us relate to the characters, I almost didn't mind it. Um, It was like a nice little breather from all of the gore and the action and the zanies. So um I, I really in, enjoyed that part of it. And I connected with the characters I didn't think I would. Well, and it was definitely, I mean, yeah, I connected with a character that was the big bad. Like, cause there's one line, <laughs> one stupid line 
that James Gunn puts in this <laughs> stupid movie that makes you feel bad <laughs> for the yeah. big bad. Okay. But anyway, um, really there's really one villain in the suicide squad and it's not the giant starfish monster. <laughs> I, see, I, I feel like there's a few villains. There's, the there's one squad. real villain and that's the United States government. <laughs> it's like, that's the real <laughs> villain of the suicide squad. That's not a spoiler because I mean, that's the whole like premise, right? You have the government using villains as, uh, as, as cannon fodder and to just throw at problems that they otherwise can't do. And, because they're villains, it gives the government plausible deniability to say, oh, those are villains being villains. And if they die, well, they're bad guys. So you kind of want them to die yeah. anyway. Like you, you get that the United States is like the uh, worst. Um, the government. Is there the was worst. one. Yeah, there was one death that I was exceptionally sad about. Uh, um, I, I'm sure but, like, but it was I'm, I bet it's the death that I felt was completely telegraphed by the trailers. And we'll talk about it off the, <laughs> the show so that we don't. Yeah, spoil yeah. It. But also, I mean, right away, if like it's not a surprise to anybody who actually watches DC stuff and cartoons and reads comics and stuff. But right away, they they dispel the the image of uh, Amanda Waller being, you know, an upstanding, pure motivated woman. Yeah, no, no, no. she's um, she's a psychopath in this movie. Um, yeah, like this is. There, there are choices that James Gunn makes that I think are phenomenal and are really, really great. I, I don't know. Maybe the film just didn't quite feel cohesive enough to me. I Something about mm-hmm. it just didn't stick with me. But that being said, all the individual performances are great. Margot Robbie continues to absolutely slay it as Harley Quinn. She is yeah. so good. Um, but everyone is fantastic. And... I you know, agree. getting to to feel empathy for characters like Ratcatcher 2 and Polka Dot Man, it's pretty phenomenal. It is. Now, it's really interesting because you don't know if you like it, but a whole bunch of people did. It got amazing critical response, right? Uh, yeah. Like in the 90s on Rotten Yeah, Tomatoes. the critical response is great. But once again, we saw review bombing going on as well so that the audience score was different from what the critic score was. And generally, it sounds like it was fans of the Snyderverse who are continuing to be upset that DC hasn't like tripled down on the Snyder approach to the DCEU. And so they they were review bombing the movie before it had even come out. Do you think that's the reason that the box office is so low? Because that's been the big news is that Suicide Squad, you know, well, it was highest grossing during the pandemic for a rated R movie, but it still underperformed what they were forecasting. Yeah, because it, it brought in $26.5 million domestically over opening weekend, which is pretty low these days. Okay, uh, I think that this is a an issue that is far too complicated to boil it down to a single or even one or two uh, causes, right? Because so much stuff is happening right now that impacts box office. We are mm-hmm. in the middle of a surge of uh, the pandemic where we've got like the Delta and, and potentially the Lambda variants of coronavirus taking hold. So certain regions like Georgia, where Ariel and I live, are really being hit hard right now. Like there are hospitals in our state that are turning away ambulances because they have no room in the ICU to bring anyone else in. 
So Mm -hmm. like that's, you know, that, that was what we were worried about at the beginning of the pandemic of last year was that we would overwhelm the hospitals. Well, that's happening again. So in that environment, I assume there are a lot of people who are, you know, maybe a little reluctant to go to the theater and potentially become part of the Mm -hmm. problem. Uh, Then you also had the, like us, we were going to see it in the theater and said, no, then you had the fact that it was released simultaneously on uh, HBO max, which is, you know, what Warner brothers said they were going to do. And so you've got some people saying, well, of course, if people are already subscribed to HBO max, why would they pay extra to go see it in the theater? I I mean, apart from the fact that, you know, movies are meant to be seen on big screens, but I think most of us uh, like we measure that against convenience and safety and we make our decisions. And like Ariel, I decided to watch Mm -hmm. it at home. Um, So that's part of it. Uh, I think that, so I think there's just a lot of different elements that all together mean that it's a lower take at the box office. That being said, black widow was released in theaters and on Disney plus and still made 80 million at the theaters. So but I, I feel like the difference there is if you wanted to watch it on Disney Plus, you had to pay 30 bucks. That's true. You yeah. did have to pay extra. Which, which I yeah. did. And I didn't mind doing because, again, that would be two, less than two movie, movie tickets for myself and my husband. Right. To go Here see in it. Atlanta, that, so, you know, that's, H- that's true. Because in Atlanta, I think like yeah. the, the national average ticket price is somewhere around like 11 or $12, but that is not the case in Atlanta. <laughs> No, Atlanta's like 15 to 20, at least. To your point, you know, with HBO Max, you don't have to pay extra. So as you as you point out, that is very different from the Black Widow. Mm -hmm. And even if you do buy HBO Max to to watch the movie, which I'm sure some people did, if you keep it, you know, then they get that additional revenue. But how much of that actually goes into the the movie numbers? You know, there's been a big kerfuffle between studios and the actors and the unions and all this because they're still trying to figure it out. On Matt Damon's Hot Ones interview, he actually talked about how streaming affects uh, movie movie takes and how that factors into what kind of movies are made. That's why we're getting a lot more action in Big Blockbuster, he said, because to do something like Cider House Rules or Goodwill Hunting, where it's it's more of like a, a casual drama, I guess I would say, like, you have to make all of the marketing, all of the production money back, and now you've got half the box office because things are going to streaming more quickly. You don't have the the DVD, Blu-ray, VHS sales anymore. And so it's a lot bigger of a gamble to do a, a smaller movie like that. So it's just the industry is still figuring it out. And yeah, what we're doing is we're seeing we're seeing a massive disruption that began as soon as we started seeing the first streaming services and obviously Netflix has had to deal with this because they still produce a ton of original content, but um, you know, in order to grow, they either need to get more subscribers or they have to start charging more per month. And I think everybody else is starting to come to grips with that same reality. And as you point out, Ariel, it gets really hard then to associate the amount of revenue your your business is generating with specific products, right? Like if if it's a subscription based service, then it's pretty hard for you to make the argument of, yeah, but ninety five percent of the people who are subscribed did it because of the Suicide Squad, right? Like you can't yeah. really make that argument. Yeah. So it does mean that we're seeing a transformation in the business side of Hollywood, which ultimately could mean 
a massive change in the types of films we see. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It does mean that, you know, there might be a time where stuff we've gotten used to seeing just isn't coming out as much anymore. But Mm -hmm. people are endlessly creative and there are an unlimited number of stories to tell. So I am confident that what, however this does shake out, we're still going to have incredible films. They just might be made in a much different way than the way we've become used to over the last like decade or so. I, I agree. And it, it's, it's, it's changed, you know, from the last decade. So it'll be interesting to see what's next. Yes. Now what's next for us is we're going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to have, uh, an interesting mashup between some wacky shenanigan causing siblings and uh, some zombies, zombies, zombies. <laughs> Let's go to break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep expert. Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. 
With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. All right, well, first of all, my apologies to the Cranberries. Um, no apologies to me? Well, Jeez. I mean, if I have to no, apologize to you, Ariel, i got to apologize to everybody else who listened, so that's just going to take up my whole day. No. You, you did it surprisingly well. Yeah, so... so you saying that surprisingly our, our well. Two of our, our mashups today we're doing because these are kind of related to news items that we did not cover at the beginning, but we wanted to go over very quickly. One of those is that uh, before too long, we're going to get... Night of the Animated Dead, an animated film adaptation of the classic zombie movie, Night of the Living Dead, which is in public domain. Uh, There was a mess up Mm -hmm. with that film where the copyright notice wasn't properly filed and displayed. So Night of the Living Dead's in public domain. Literally anyone can screen that anywhere, anytime. You can charge money for it. It's there's there's no copyright on Night of the Living Dead. And we're getting an animated film in which uh, they're going to add in some stuff that wasn't in the original movie. It is interesting that it's going to be uh, like in in uh, streaming services and also it's going to be on Blu-ray and DVD. I guess some people still buy those. Um, I mean, I do. If it's like, you can't guarantee you're always going to be able to get the movie you want for free online so i sometimes buy blu-ray i just don't have space for stuff anymore so i don't buy those things to clutter (laughs) up my house but yeah it's a that's that's coming out so that's one of the two items we're going to take and then the other one is animaniac season two trailer is out um i you know i i'm still working through the season one of animaniacs um and i'm it I felt like season one was hit and miss and I'm, I'm really hoping that season two finds its groove a lot more. I know they had tested out a few new characters and segments in season one. Season two still looks like it's banking a little bit on the gross base level humor a little bit, um, but not too much. Wacko's eye pops out of his head at one That's point. That's true. <laughs> yeah. The, the season two trailer is really more of a teaser. It's not, there's mm-hmm. not a whole lot of content to it. Um, yeah. And it's interesting because when I think of Animaniacs, I think of the original run where there were a lot more characters uh, and segments, right? And then it, they essentially boiled it down to the two that were the most popular, which were the Warner Brothers and their sister and uh, Pinky and the Brain. Um, so we don't have like characters like the Good Feathers and all that anymore. Which, you know, I, I realize that shows need to grow and move on. And we talk about often how we don't want shows to just keep rehashing the old things. I, I wouldn't mind a, a Rita and Runt musical. Maybe. Um, I, I feel like a lot of the, the, the stuff they, they have cut out kind of needed cutting because they mm-hmm. were the least consistent. Thank goodness they don't have Katie Kaboom in there anymore. Um, yeah. yeah. There's certain certain segments that were just terrible. But that being said, we are now going to mash up the classic Night of the Living Dead and Animaniacs. 
Uh, and for those who aren't aware, Night of the Living Dead was not the first zombie movie. It's not like it was the original zombie film of all time, but it is, I would argue, the zombie film that set up certain tropes that we still see today, which are things like, mm -hmm. you know, especially for slow shuffling zombies. They're the recently dead. Um, they hunger for human flesh. Killing them usually requires that you have to one well, in Night of the Living Dead. It actually involves setting them on fire or destroying the brain. Um, but like these are little things that would that planted the seeds for what we think of when we get to movie zombies. Um, and do you want me to go first or do you want to go first, Ariel? I'll go okay. first. All right. So uh, I'm going to apologize for any time I attempt a Warner sibling ac uh, voice. It's not going to be good. Uh, this is called Night of the Living Dot. All right. Yakko, Wacko, and Dot were doing their huge, you know, running around the Warner movie lot one sunny afternoon playing their daily game of hide-and-seek. They had just tagged an unsuspecting Ralph, the security guard, and Dr. Scratch-and-Sniff, and had reached their home base, the Water Tower. Except one of the Warner siblings was not alone. Look, said Wacko, I found a pet. Can I keep him? Can I keep him? Can I keep him? As he held up a gaunt, moaning, grayish small figure. Ew, what is it, said Dot. Some sort of chihuahua, asked Yakko. I don't know, but I love him, said Wacko, kissing the figure's face with a big wet lick. Yakko and Dot agreed to let Wacko keep him, as long as Wacko promised to housebreak it, and Wacko promised. Wacko named the pet Stinky because of the smell. The next day, when it was time to play their daily game of hide-and-seek, Wacko was dragging. When asked what was wrong, he said he didn't feel so good. He had been up all night with Stinky, who was being a naughty pet by biting him and refusing to eat his healthy birthday cake for dinner. In all honesty, Wacko didn't look too good either. But he rallied and they began their game. Wacko sought and found Yakko first, but instead of tagging him, he bit him. Yakko said, Gow! Hey, bro, what gives? And Wacko just moaned. But fair was fair, so now Yakko was also it, and they sought for Dot. But Yakko also started feeling not so good. And he started feeling hungry. Well, Wacko was feeling hungry too, but Wacko was always hungry, so nothing seemed off there. Next, they ran across Chicken Boo while they were looking for Dot and thought, Ooh, chicken! And they bit him, too. Then Boo joined the search. Along the way, they passed the famous Warner movie Graveyard, where they could see a brother and sister playing with a bunch of those ugly, gray, moaning puppies. Yakko said, Ooh, more puppies, because you know, he's not feeling good, and opened the gates to the studio lot, and the puppies rushed in. Soon, almost everyone was tagged. Rita, Runt, Slappy, Skippy, Hello Nurse, and even Brain. Well, everyone except Dot. Being the clever one, she realized what was happening, that all the puppies were actually zombies, and locked herself in the water tower for safety, thinking herself now the only hide-and-seek survivor on the lot. All of a sudden, she heard a NARF at the water tower door. Turns out Pinky had escaped the clutches of the zombie horde as well, so she let him in. The Warner Brother executives, high and safe in their tower, were powerless to fix the situation, having given up their rights to the armies of the dead on Netflix. However, they knew the show must go on and tried to spin it as a new Animaniacs darker universe. They even rewrote some of the songs, Come Join the and their surviving sister Dot, and You're Not Us, Man, You're a Zombie, Boo. But those songs didn't really catch on. Well, all except for Where's Pinky? We Want Brains. Now, legend has it that Dot and Pinky are still up there in the water tower, biding their time, hoping someday they can safely emerge. The Warner Brothers studio now claims it was all a marketing ploy and there wasn't really a zombie outbreak. 
You can't tour that part of the studio lot anymore, though if you want to risk it, you can sneak in through the Warner Movie Graveyard. But venture into the zany to the max at your own risk. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) I like it. Uh, Very, very uh, dark and whimsical. Um, Mine mine is called George Romero's Night of the Maniacs. I'm sorry, Animaniacs. (laughs) Barbara and Johnny have a problem. They're on their way to visit the grave of their late father but the cemetery is a three-hour drive from their home, and then they have to drive the three hours back. Meanwhile, a storm appears to be brewing, and the car radio has cut out. They get to the cemetery, and after some back and forth, Barbara shows a little discomfort. Johnny, amused at how his sister finds the graveyard unsettling, tells his sister, They're coming to get you, Barbara, and points to a trio of shambling figures in the distance. Stop it, Johnny! yells Barbara, and Johnny, growing bored of the juvenile game, turns to head back to the car. But that's when he sees that between him and the car are the three figures, and they are bounding toward him, yelling, Boingy, boingy, boingy! Next thing you know, they've pounced on him, and Barbara, terrified, runs toward a farmhouse as the three weird creatures poke, prod, and latch onto Johnny. Who are you? screams Johnny. We're the Warner Brothers, says one. And the Warner Sister, says another. I'm Yakko, says the first one. I'm Wacko, says a shorter one with a hat. And I'm Dot, says the third. And you're our new best friend, yells Yakko. Johnny, horrified, tries to run, but because he has a Warner Brother and a Warner Sister grabbing each of his legs, he loses his balance and falls, hitting his head on a gravestone. He has clearly passed on. Yikes, says Wacko. Wonder what's eating him? I suggest we do, says Dot, pulling out a knife and fork. Ah, so it's that kind of movie, (laughs) says Yakko, and the three ravenously descend upon Johnny. Meanwhile, Barbara makes it to the farmhouse and sees that no one's home. She wanders around, picking up a phone, but the line is dead. And as is a person in one of the rooms upstairs, pretty unsettling. A man named Ben arrives at the house and tries to talk with Barbara, but she's clearly catatonic from fear. Ben sets about trying to secure the house, already aware of the danger of some maniacs on the loose. I'm sorry, animaniacs. As he is boarding up a door, Barbara hears, Brains! Brains! And then, whoops, sorry, I meant brain! Point! And she looks over and sees a pair of mice shambling toward her inside the house. She lets out a scream and scrabbles away. Pinky, are you pondering what I'm pondering? Asks the shorter mouse with the really big head. I think so, Brain, says the taller mouse. But if Zack Snyder directs a reboot of the sequel, won't the film be considered a derivative action movie? Barbara runs from the room just as Ben comes around the corner and a door opens up and up from the basement come two men, one slightly older and one younger. Harry is the older one, Tom's the younger one, and they usher the pair downstairs into the basement. And then we've got this really long discussion inside the basement between the various characters as to whether it's better to stay down there or to make a run for it using a truck that's parked outside the farmhouse. I mean, this this talk goes on for a long time, honestly. In fact, long enough that we kind of forget about the maniacs. I'm sorry, the animaniacs outside, but there's a lot of interpersonal drama, so it's okay. The discussion is broken up when a window to the basement breaks in and in fly three shabby-looking pigeons who talk like gangsters for some reason, and the humans scream, and they run up the stairs, and, like, 
one or two of them die, but I didn't bother naming them, so that's fine. They get upstairs, and first they find out that you know there are a few other maniacs. I'm sorry, animaniacs to worry about. Uh, there's this oblivious toddler who's destroying everything she touches and her extremely anxious dog. There's a pair of squirrels, one who is trying out jokes that wouldn't have gone over in the cat skills back in the bad old days. And there's a dog and cat singing about stuff, plus there are others. And what follows is a zany sequence in which the humans try to escape the maniacs. I- I'm sorry, animaniacs. And, and they... The Animaniacs pick them off one by one, or sometimes two by two, with cartoonish acts of violence. Only, the humans are in the real world, so while the violence is cartoonish, the outcome is extremely realistic, and there is a lot of body horror stuff going on here, y'all. And then Yakko tries to calm everyone down, until Dot yells, EVERYBODY QUIET! And the Maniacs, I'm sorry, the Animaniacs, and the remaining humans stop to look at him and then the music starts out of nowhere. I've seen every zombie flick from Versus to the Day of the Dead. I've watched George Romero tell us we need to hit them in the head. Jeffrey Combs made corpses move in the film The Reanimator. And I saw Killian's junk in the beginning of 28 Days Later. Bill Murray had a cameo that made us laugh in Zombieland, and Seth Green kinda had a zombie fist in the film Idle Hands. If you're in South Korea, beware of the train to Busan. And if you're in the Winchester, say hello to my good friend Sean. Warm bodies used some zombies to give us Romeo and Juliet. (laughs) Planet Terra had zombies, but wasn't really Grindhouse yet. If there's a zombie outbreak, don't go to the mall for shopping spree or squish bugs in non si deve profanare il son del morti. It's a Italian zombie movie. But before Yakko can continue his modern zombie movie song, his head disappears and we hear the crack of a rifle shot and we cut outside and there's this mob of humans out there and they just open up on that farmhouse. And what follows is a massacre of everyone in there, animaniac and human alike. And then the mob pats themselves on the back after a job well done. And as the movie closes, we see two tiny figures slip out from the house. We have to get out of here and prepare for tomorrow night. Why? Why we gotta do tomorrow night, Brian? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. Evil music sting. Credits. Jeez, and you said mine was dark. Uh, well, I set mine in the world it. of Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It was really good. And at points, I was like, when you started, I'm like, I'm not sure this wasn't already an Animaniacs episode. <laughs> but no, they don't. They they never go quite that dark. But it was brilliant. I loved your song. Uh, thank you for explaining the Italian. Yes, uh, yeah, no, the the Italians uh, really took the zombie film genre to heart after Night of the Living Dead. Um, and made a lot of zombie movies, including one in which a man fights a zombie shark. That sounds brilliant to me. It is. Let me put it this way. It's unforgettable. There you go. (laughs) Well, if you can't find our mashups unforgettable, or you have an idea of how Animaniacs should be mashed up with Night of the Living Dead yourself, you should write us and tell us. Uh, how can they do that? They can Jonathan? send us an email. The address is lnc at iheartmedia.com. Or you can drop us a line on one of the many socials out there. On Twitter, we are lnc underscore podcast. At Facebook and Instagram, we're Large Nerdron Collider. Yes. And if you like the show, please 
rate, review, share with your friends. That way we have more geeky people to talk with and uh, the conversations can go on. Yes, indeed. And until next time, I am Jonathan Brains Strickland. And I am Ariel Shambler Caston. Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. This show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Take a pause from your to-do list with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.